Welcome to the Presence Podcast from Hope Community Church, Wyndham. You can find more resources and connect with us through our website at hopecommunitychurch.co.uk. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired as you listen. It's also my privilege today to uh, start our new summer series of preaching. And uh, the title of our new series for this summer is Hearing God. And we're going to be spending significant time in depth looking at two amazing prophetic characters. Two characters that probably are some of the greatest prophetic voices in the whole of history. We're going to be looking at the life of Elijah and Elisha. So, You need to get your seatbelts on because it's going to be quite a ride as we look at these two characters together. But I want to just say this introduction, that hearing God is extraordinarily powerful. Let me give you an illustration. I was in uh, Seattle. I was speaking at a vineyard, a church conference, and I also got to speak to uh, the large number of young people that they had gathered as well. And it was in that meeting that I had a strange uh, prophetic picture. And as I shared it, I thought, this is really weird. I'm not sure quite what it means. But anyway, so uh, it was this. I saw a submarine. And the captain of the submarine was giving the orders, dive, dive, dive. But every time that they went to dive, a warning light came on saying, Danger, danger, do not dive. And they didn't dive. It happened time and time again. And the, the submarine was still on the, uh, on the top of the water. And then I saw this great tidal wave come and, uh, and turn over the submarine and the submarine was lost. And what, I mean, when you get a picture like that, what do you think? Well, I, I shared it and I felt it was, I felt it was a word for some, somebody in, in the youth gathering I felt it was about, you know, you might be frightened to dive deep, but actually that warning light is not a true reflection. Actually, you are meant for the deep. You are meant to dive in the deep and change the darkness in the deep. And that's the word I brought. Months later, I hear from one of the church uh, team that I was with. They'd been in contact with the church, and they told this story. One of the young people knew instantly what that meant. In his school, a group of children, uh, uh, teenagers, had just started an an occult group. And they were doing uh, Ouija boards during the the lunch breaks. And numbers were being gathered to this occultic practice. And he thought, look, I I need to change this. And so I'm going to get in there and befriend somebody in that group. So that's exactly what he did. He didn't take the warning light. He dived straight deep in, made a relationship with one of the, um, the young people who were doing this stuff, one of the leaders, and he just began to share Jesus with him. And this young man was so impressed by this testimony and the evidence of Jesus that he gave his life to Jesus. He turned away from occultic things and followed Jesus, and his life was radically changed. Well, that's not a good story, as it is, but it gets better. Because uh, a couple of days later, after the conversion of this uh, young lad, um, the pastor gets a phone call. And it's an irate mother. And she's saying, what have you done with my son? What have you done with my son? He's, he's completely different. What have you done with him? 
And he said, well, I, I don't know what I've done. I mean, I, 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 look, should we meet for a coffee? So she said, okay, okay, but I tell you, what have you done with my son? So uh, she met him for coffee, and she introduced herself. She said, uh, you know, I'm this, um, this young lad's mother, and uh, I'm a white witch. So obviously he got all his occultic sort of uh, influences from his mother. And she said, look, I just have to, I just have to admit that you, my son has been transformed. One of your young people has shared Jesus with him. He's come to Christ. His life's radically changed. And I, I, I really come to you because I want what he's got. And there and then she turned away from her witchcraft and gave her life to Jesus and was transformed. You know, hearing God is extraordinarily powerful, isn't it? And that's why we're devoting this time, this summer season, to this whole subject of hearing God. And we're going to use the examples of Elijah and Elisha to do that. So, where do you find these stories? Well, it begins, really, in 1 Kings 17. Now, the book of Kings, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, is the 12th and 13th book of the Bible. So that gives you some idea where it is. I want you to turn to 1 Kings 17 if you've got a Bible, because we're going to look at that in a moment. Um, but uh, it finishes, the story of these two characters finishes by about 2 Kings 13. You can read the whole story in less than an hour. There's a challenge for you. Can I encourage you to read these stories? They are amazing stories. I mean, amazing stories they are. And you will be excited by them. But we can get lost in the amazingness of these stories and forget that Elijah and Elisha were just like us. This is how James describes Elijah. This is James 5.17. Elijah was a man just like us. Now let me ask you a question. Do you believe God's word? Okay, so what is that saying? It's saying there is no difference between Elijah and you, yeah? Okay, have you really got that? Is it just here or is it here? Is it here or is it here or is it both? Because if that is true, and I believe it is, there is no reason why we can't have stories like Elijah. Do you, do you believe that? Who in this room, who on the uh, internet believes that, yeah? Yeah? Well, you're in trouble, just so I warn you. Let me just give you, I'm going to give you a list of some of the things that happened in the life of Elijah. You up for this? So, starting off with, we're going to discover that Elijah controlled the weather for three and a half years. Come on! I'd love to do that for three and a half seconds, let alone three and a half years. But he did. We'll see that in a moment. He commanded the birds the ravens to feed him in, this, in a time of drought in famine. He provided the multiplication of food for a widow and her son. When her son suddenly died, he brought resurrection to this body. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? He brought life to a dead corpse. He called fire down from heaven on a mountain called Carmel. He saw the obliteration of 450 demonic prophets. And what's more, 
He had the ability to run faster than horses and chariots. That would be useful at uh, you know, the Olympic Games later this year, wouldn't it? That was an ordinary man just like us. We need to really believe that nothing is impossible. If it can happen for Elijah, it can happen for us. Well, I'll tell you, when you get into Elisha, you get Elisha with a double portion of what Elijah had. Wow! And you get double the miracles. The last one is really weird. Because in Elisha's grave is Elisha's body. But when somebody falls who's dead into, or rather a dead person is put into the grave of Elisha, guess what happens? He comes alive again. The person is resurrected through the dead corpse of Elisha. I mean, it it, it is weird, isn't it? It's weird, but it's an amazing story of what God can do in ordinary people. This is a great quote from Sunday Adelaide, who's describing uh, something of these amazing characters from the scriptures, from history, extraordinary things through hearing God's voice and being obedient. This is what he says. The sole key to these large-scale successes in the work of God and the staggering results you see in the ministries of anointed men of God has been their ability to hear the voice of God and be obedient to it. That's what this series is all about. Helping you to hear God and then in obedience follow what he says and see the extraordinary come about. This series has uh, two elements to it. One is the one I've already mentioned, that how can we hear God's voice and how can we respond to that? But secondly, it's an amazing story of how Elijah, with his anointing, passed that on to another, Elisha, and how it multiplied as a result. Uh, As you know, I've been handing over the, the leadership of the church to Mark, who's been doing a great job over the last couple of years as lead elder, the fire is increasing. And we believe it's going to increase and increase and increase with every generation that we see birthed and growing here. We believe there is more, so much more, and it can happen. This revival can continue and continue and continue until the Lord comes back, yeah? That's what we are about. And so we're going to be looking at those two aspects through this whole series. But I want to just focus today in this introduction on hearing God. And I want to say three simple things in introduction, which will be expanded throughout the series. The first thing is this. We're going to look at God's great ability to speak to us and to be heard. His ability to communicate with us, if you like. Secondly, God's most common way of speaking to us. We're going to be briefly exploring that today. The method that God most uses. And then finally, we're going to look at God's major tool of communicating with us, his means. Ability, method, and means in hearing God's voice. So I want to take you back in history to start off with on point one. August the 27th, 1883. Some ranch, I know I'm old, but I wasn't around at that time. 
um, some ranchers in Alice Springs in Australia heard a most unusual sound. They thought it was gunshots, but it wasn't. The mysterious sound uh, was uh, extraordinary. It travelled around 50 different geographical uh, areas of the globe, spanning most of the globe. What these Aussies heard was in fact not gunshots, but an eruption of a volcano in a remote Indonesian island of Krakatoa. They, that was situated 2,233 miles away. Can you imagine that? 2,233 miles away, a volcano erupts and you can hear it. Wow. It's believed to be the loudest sound that has ever been recorded by man. 310 decibels of sound waves. It circum the sound literally circumnavigated the globe at least four times around. Some believe it was actually more than that. It generated 3,000-foot tidal wave. This sound is remarkable. It threw rocks a distance of 34 miles, and it cracked one-foot-thick concrete 300 miles away. That was some sound, eh? Aren't you glad you weren't around when that happened? It would have really burst your eardrums. I want to say this. God has no problem in making a noise. He has no problem in being heard. You can all hear him. And he can speak at a volume in which you can all hear in a way that you can all grasp. See, the story of Elijah begins with an amazing eruption. He erupts on the scene with an extraordinary prophecy. So 1 Kings 17, here we are. Now Elijah, the Tishbite, from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. That was some volcanic explosion amongst God's people. Let me explain a little bit of the history. You'll get to learn more of this as the series unfolds. But we are at one of the darkest seasons in the history of God's people. There is a most wicked satanic king on the throne. His name is Ahab. And he's assisted by his most demonic wife, Jezebel. And as, as leaders of the nation, they have taken God's people away from God and they are now worshipping satanic and demonic forces in the high places in the land. What's more, Ahab is trying to silence God's voice. He is killing the prophets and prophets are in hiding. But God is thundering and he's thundering through a simple ordinary person by the name of Elijah. The nation soon hears the disapproving bellows of the voice of 
God. And a devastating drought begins to unfold. Three and a half years of no rain. And soon there's going to be fire on Mount Carmel and 450 of the demonic prophets are going to be slaughtered. God has an ability to speak and will be heard. And we can hear him. I'm amazed by the ways that God speaks, the way he erupts. It's, it's never the same. A couple came to me many years ago. They'd been married for many years, but um, their um, married life was struggling. They'd not had uh, uh, sex, sex together for over five years, and they came to me in desperation. That was their presenting problem. And I remember I was sat with them, and I, was, I just felt there was something not right. There was just more than what they were saying. There was something not right. And as I looked at this couple, I had a, a most extraordinary sort of hearing of God eruption because on the forehead of the woman, I literally saw sort of tattooed in her forehead adultery. Now, I don't know what you would do in that situation. I mean, it just, I mean, I tried not to be startled, but I just saw it. And I just uh, uh, sort of ended that session rather quickly and said I would see them soon. Because I wanted to seek counsel, and I got together with some dear uh, counsel, some real uh, spiritual men and women, and I said, look, this, is, this has happened to me. What should I do with it? And they felt it was really from God. So I then um, decided to meet the couple separately. And uh, I met with the woman, and I had to share very sensitively, look, this, this is what I experienced. I could be completely wrong, Please forgive me, but I, I need to raise this issue and minister to you. She began to weep. She'd said that um, about five years ago or more, she'd moved to a new office. She started feeling affections towards somebody at the office. And um, the relationship... Uh, had been formed. She repented. She returned to Christ. The marriage was healed. They later had children and are still going strong today. Occasionally I get to meet up with them. God can thunder, can erupt in extraordinary, extraordinary ways. In a church that uh, I was part of, there was an extraordinary prophetic word. It was given by a most ordinary person who never brought prophetic words. But they just felt so strongly they had a picture. The picture was this of a master pianist playing on a piano. Beautiful music. When suddenly the piano and the pianist lifted in the air and was floating in the air and playing beautiful music. And then they saw two endings to the picture. The first one was that the, the uh, piano floated down, to, back to the ground, like a leaf, with the pianist, and then the music that was played was even more spectacular. But the other ending was that the piano crashed to the ground 
with the pianist, and it was utter devastation. And they just felt this. They said, God wants to warn you about pride. When you get lifted up, it's so dangerous, and you could come crashing to the ground. But if you humble yourself, you would play even greater music. It was such a powerful word. You know, the sad thing is that the leadership ignored the word. They thanked him. They were appreciative. But they just ignored it. Guess what happened? The church leadership crashed. Devastation. That was far and wide. You know, God has an ability to be heard. He speaks in all sorts of extraordinary ways. He is the supreme communicator. I love these words from Abraham Lincoln. These are so profound. I am satisfied that when the Almighty wants me to do any particular thing, he finds a way of letting me know it. You sure of that? Are you confident? You can never miss his will because he will communicate it to you. The problem is not on his end. The problem is with our obedience, isn't it? Right. There's nobody like God in making a noise. He can get through to us. Just like he's getting through through Elijah to Ahab. Number two. God's most common manner of speaking. His method. When I started with talking about loud noises, let me continue. Uh, as I said, that uh, volcanic eruption was the greatest or the loudest recorded uh, sound in history. But um, in the animal kingdom, the sperm whale is the loudest creature on planet Earth. It can sound 200, and, uh, 200 decibels loud. It is recorded that his uh, clicking noises can be heard underwater 10 thousand miles away that's some noise isn't it some noise next to that would be a jet engine 150 decibels air horns 129 decibels thunderclaps 120 decibels pneumatic drills 100 decibels what's on the other end of the spectrum a whisper a whisper measured at about 15 decibels. Well, God can make a noise. God can shout. He can shout the loudest. But the most often way he speaks to us is through a whisper. A whisper. I want to take you to a moment in Elijah's life where he's full of fear and he's running away from Jezebel, who's threatened his life. This is 1 Kings 19. And God comes to him to speak to him. 1 Kings 19.11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain, Elijah, in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Or in the New American Standard Version, a gentle blowing. Or the New King James Version, a still, small Ah, oh, God can make a noise far louder than Krakatoa. But most often he speaks to us in whispers. There are many reasons why God whispers to us. I just want to give you three short ones right here and now. The first one is this. Why does God whisper to us? Because he's committed to intimacy. Intimacy. That's why he lowers his voice to us. See, when somebody whispers, you have to get very close to them to hear it. You lean in to their ear. You know, in God speaking to us, the main goal isn't that we just hear God. The, the main thing is that we draw close to him. He longs for our presence. He longs to be with us. And he whispers so that we can grow increasingly close to his presence. That we can view his glory and be overwhelmed by his beauty. Yes, God wants to be heard. But more than that, he wants you in his presence. And whispers draw you in. Secondly, I believe whispers, whispers are empowering. You know, in my dictionary, I looked at the definition of whisper. It said this, speaking very softly, using one's breath without one's vocal cords. It's a great definition, isn't it? How did mankind come into being? God took some dust and he breathed into it. That's why you're alive today. Dust breathed. See, why whisper? Because it's the breath of God being exchanged. It's not just God's voice being given. It's his empowerment filling us with his life and power so that we can fulfill what he's called us to do. Isn't that great? doesn't just whisper to us, he empowers us to do such things. Wow. And then thirdly, privacy. Whispering is typically employed, you know, for the sake of secrecy. It's a form of communication that's intimate and private. I just love my God. He doesn't rebuke me and correct me in public so that I'm full of shame and guilt. He does it quietly, privately, full of grace, full of mercy, full of restoration. Wow. Oswald Chambers said this, the checks of the spirit come in the most extraordinary gentle ways. And if you are not sensitive enough to detect his voice, 
you will quench it. And your personal spiritual life will be impaired. His checks always come as a still, small voice. So small that no one but the saint notices them. See, what whispers lack in volume, they make up so much in impact. This is what Mark Batterson says. Nothing has the potential to change your life like the whisper of God. Nothing will determine your destiny more than your ability to to hear his still small voice. So why are you in this room now? Why are you watching this on the web? Because of a whisper. Because of a whisper. Well, must be about, I don't know, 16 years ago, Linda Bradbury is in the room so I can point to her. Linda Bradbury rings me up. She says, Grantly, our church wants to do a weekend away. Will you come and speak at that weekend away? I had very little to do with uh, the church that she was part of in Wyndham. But I just felt instantly God say, do it. So I, I said, yes. Little did I know where that was going to lead because on the Friday afternoon, the weekend was started on the Friday night. I had, I think I had four or five sessions to teach. I am in my bedroom on a Friday afternoon and I haven't got one message to bring. I mean, it's like, it's the, it's like being sort of naked on the stage. That's how I felt, you know. Uh, I, I've got to speak five times. I haven't got one and I, you know, What's more, I'm getting grief for my beautiful wife, Floss. And the reason I'm getting grief is because I have given up a weekend off to do this weekend. And she was rightly annoyed with my use of my diary. So I was getting grief from Floss, rightly so. And I was feeling I've got nothing to bring. And I got really angry with God. I'm marching up the bedroom saying, God, why am I in this situation? Why am I having to do this? Look, look, God, this is... What? This is just... And then I heard this simple, very quiet whisper. In answer to my question, God, why am I doing this weekend in Wyndham? God just whispered, because I'm going to give you a church in Wyndham. I wasn't looking for a church in Wyndham. I'd just been planting a church in North Walsham in our many histories of planting churches. I wasn't thinking of going anywhere else, but God just whispered, because I'm giving you a church in Wyndham. If you like, the rest is history. That's how powerful the whispers of God are. Finally, number three, God's first tool of communication, his means. Now, Elijah ushers in the real prophetic era of the Old Testament. And what's more, he ushers in the prophetic era, the new prophetic era of the New Testament, because his spirit gets transferred to John the Baptist, who ends the old and begins the new. That's how significant Elijah is. So we should ask that question how does he hear God? 
What's the means by which God speaks to him that can help us to hear God for ourselves? So let me remind you of those first words of 1 Kings Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. So why did Elijah bring that strange word to the wicked king Ahab? I mean, God could have done all sorts of things to get Ahab's attention. There's a story uh, in these two prophets of God blinding people. So he he could have blinded Ahab to get his attention. He could have inflicted him with disease. He could have lost battles. Why this strange drought to get Ahab's attention and cause him to repent, which sadly he never did? Why? Well, you know there's a principle in the scriptures When you look at any passage, look at it in its context. So for the last couple of minutes, should we just do that? Go back to 1 Kings 16. 1 Kings 16. And this is how it, I'm just going to use some selective verses that come up on the screen. Just some selective verses about what was happening at that day. This is 1 Kings 16, 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel for 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Wow, what a statement. Verse 32. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, and which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. So, there's a picture of what Ahab is all about. But then there's this strange story in verse 34. In Ahab's time, Hiel of, of Bethel, rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. It's a strange story. What's that all about? Let me explain. When God was given the glorious land that we now know as Israel, Canaan, it's described of in the Bible, uh, they had to take that land from the, the people who inhabited it. And guarding the whole land was a city called Jericho. And when Joshua, who was leading God's people, got to Jericho, he heard the voice of God. In fact, he met Jesus face to face. Amazing experience. And he heard this, that if he walked around the walls once every day for six days, then on the seventh day, seven times, blew trumpets, the walls of Jericho would literally fall down on themselves. I don't know if you know, we've got geological, archaeological evidence of that phenomena happening. If you go to the British Museum, you'll find it all recorded. When they found the walls of Jericho, they had fallen on top of themselves. 
Unbelievable. Could never have happened other than a miracle. That's what happened. And Joshua said this, God is going to uh, 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 keep a curse on this nation and on this city. And if anybody tries to rebuild it, they will suffer the loss of their children. And it was recorded in God's word. Elijah would have read it. Wow. In my day, in my generation, Elijah would have said, do you know that, that word that was written in the scriptures is now coming to fruition. Wow. I need to look at the scriptures. Is God saying anything about the situation that Ahab is plunging the nation into? It was like Elijah had the word of God highlighted, quickened by the spirit of God. Let me now take you to Deuteronomy 11, 16 to 18, and we're finished. This is what it says. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Wow. That's exactly what Ahab has led the people into. What will happen? Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain. You see this? And the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your See, the prophecy of Elijah is not some random uh, picture. It's rooted in scripture. Elijah knew the scriptures. And he saw that if anybody led God's people away from worshipping God to worshipping idols, then God would come with judgment and the judgment would be drought. So Elijah stands up and says, this is the first voice of God. It's not going to rain until I Say so. So, I want you to grasp this principle. If you want to learn to move in hearing God's voice, in receiving the prophetic, then you must learn to live in the word of God. You getting this? If you want to hear his gentle whispers, love his written word. Love this. Devour it. Never leave it from your side. Be passionate over it. You will hear God's voice and you will predominantly hear God's whispers through this. The word of God quickened by the spirit of God. So make the Bible the first place you go to to hear God's voice. It's your starting point. If you want to bring prophetic words to others, ask God to give you scriptures as you read them that will be for others. So don't just read it for yourself, read it for others. Look, occasionally you'll get it wrong. But guess what you've left with them? You've left with them the word of God. Isn't that amazing? You can't go wrong, can you? You either speak the words of God that is relevant for that moment, or you speak the words of God that will be relevant for their lives. Wow. One of the great prophetic uh, characters of my era 
who really epitomised this was a guy called Dick Mills. Some of you might have heard of him. He and his wife had an amazing prophetic ministry and all they did was take words from the scripture and apply them to people's lives. Well, he just finished speaking. He just got down off the platform. The uh, pastor or the host, the elder, was closing the meeting when he noticed a character in one of the pews. He was curled over in a fetal position. He was shivering. There was something seriously wrong with him. He just felt God had given him a word. So he went up to him and he whispered this these words to this young man. He says, Isaiah 3, 10. It will be well with you. That's what he said and left him. A few years later, he receives this letter. Can I read it to you? Dear Dick and Betty, that's his wife. I am pastoring a church and I want you to come and minister to us. Let me refresh your memory. I was a young man who spoke, that you spoke to in a church one night. I had overdosed on heroin. I didn't even know I was in a church. I was totally out of touch with reality and I didn't have a clue how I even got there. Suddenly I was dimly aware that somebody had walked up to me, put an arm around me and whispered something to me. The whisper of God. In my fog, fogged mental condition, I heard the words of scripture, it will be well with you. It was like an echo chamber in my head. The words reverberated through my mind. Every time it echoed, my mind got clearer. The words continued to bounce back and forth. I will, it will be well with you. It will be well with you. It will be well with you. By the end, I was completely sober and detoxed. When I looked around, I realised that I was in a church. The pastor was dismissing the congregation, but he suddenly stopped and said, God just spoke to me and said there's a miracle happening out there. Who is it? Make yourself known because you need further ministry. I acknowledged that it was I. The pastor and others who were there laid hands on me and I prayed. Right there in front of all the people, I became born again and spirit-filled. I was also immediately set free from addiction to heroin. While I was speaking in tongues, the Lord called me to preach the gospel. God is good. Dick, will you come and minister at my church? <laughs> of course, he accepted the invitation. God speaks powerfully through his word. I met my wife Floss at university, but we didn't actually date each other while we were at university. It was after we left university that we got together. In fact, I was dating one of her close friends and she was dating one of my close friends and we were a foursome at times. But um, I, my relationship had gone on for about a year and I was asking that question, God, is this the right one? Is this the one I should marry? I remember taking a, a, a week out to pray and seek God. And during that time, I got the news I didn't want, which was that, no, she wasn't the right one for me. And I had to end the relationship. I mean, God gave me the strength to do that. She moved on quite quickly after that. But I, I didn't. And I was deeply lonely 
really lonely and I became angry with God. It was a great moment in my life. And I remember an occasion of the whisper of God through the word of God. And I'm in the British Rail carriage. It's a, it's a winter's day. It's grim. It's grey. And I'm just reading the scriptures. I'm in Matthew. And I'm reading the story of, um, you know, the, the man who hires labourers to come and work on his land. But um, he pays them all the same, even though they work different hours. It's his grace and his mercy. And I'm reading through this story, and I'm really angry with God. I'm alone. I, I'm saying, God, this is not fair. I've been obedient to you, and yet, look, I'm lonely. I'm, I'm all alone, and this is, just, you know, I can't see no future, and I, I was really down. And then I got to Matthew 20, 15. And this is, in a sense, a verse out of context. God does that. He just, just takes a verse and just says, that's yours. This is what it said. Don't I have the right? To do what I want with what's mine. Wow. I tell you, it was like I got punched, you know, with a Tyson blow to my stomach. I was keeled over. In fact, I just fell to the floor and I wept and I wept and I wept. Because if God was Lord of my life, then he could do whatever he wanted to do. Who was I to say no? And if it meant for a season of loneliness, then that's a small price to pay for having Jesus. And I just, I just had to surrender again. I just realized that I hadn't had Jesus as my Lord. I had my well-being as my Lord, not Jesus. It was a seminal moment. Everything from that moment changed as I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. It was only sort of a very short time after that that, that, that Floss and I happened to be together. And suddenly, quite remarkably, I instantly fell in love with her. And the rest, you say, is history. The power of the whispers of God through the word of God. Let's just pray. As the band come, join me. I just want to pray that you hear God clearly. Jesus. Can I, can I just, whatever way you can, just draw near to his ear and listen to his whisper. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And Father, as we draw close to you now to hear your whisper, we thank you that you've called us to intimacy. And that you always have a word for us that is for our good and for our benefit that will strengthen us, enable us, and transform us. And I just pray you'll speak those words, those whispers, to everyone who is joining in, whether online or in the building. Do it, Lord, I pray. Whisper to us.
We are listening. Jesus. Thanks for listening. To connect with us or for more resources like this, go to hopecommunitychurch.co.uk. Thank you.